When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody. I am Scott Kennedy. I am your host for the Falcons podcast on this Monday, August 7th. We are in game week, if you can believe that. Uh, it's here already. So I know it seems like it drags on, but then you blink twice and it's already game week. The Falcons will be traveling to Miami today for their joint practices with the Miami Dolphins, and then they will be taking on the Dolphins in preseason on Saturday. This isn't the first year the Falcons and Dolphins have hooked up. I think they did it two years ago, maybe. I think it was two years ago they were down in Miami um, because I happen to remember uh, Calvin Ridley on uh, making a a, a highlight play, and that was kind of his highlight for the 2021 season, so to speak. But he's back down in Florida. Hopefully he has a a decent year and helps get that Falcons that number that second round draft pick. Some of the folks, uh, some of the things I want to talk about today, I want to uh, talk some Jeff Okuda. I want to talk some of the personnel moves that have been made. There were four made last week, some a little bit surprising, maybe the timing, not so much the personnel. Uh, I want to talk, let's see, what else did I want to hit on? Oh, some, uh, you know, who leads? Uh, Some some camp notes. The uh, ESPN guys, uh, Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler had a huge camp notebook, and it's always nice to see kind of an outsider's perspective when they come in and see things, and and nice to see them getting on the road instead of just saying, oh yeah, Desmond Ritter, they can't play. You know, okay, well, why don't you go watch Desmond Ritter and see what they think about Desmond Ritter, et cetera, et cetera, and see how things are going. And uh, that's about it. Then we'll hit the chat, obviously. Those are, I always, we do this live because I want to know what y'all want to talk about. Um, Otherwise, I'm just sitting here monologuing, which isn't nearly as much fun. So while uh, Facebook and YouTube are going out and finding everybody with their alerts and stuff, uh, let's say hello to some folks that have come in nice and early, including Michael Ronquillo out in Tucson. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. I am expecting Nick back on Mondays next week. We got football. It's time for Nick to come back on Mondays. That includes Broncos for breakfast returning to Monday, Tuesday, Thursday format. And then Nick being back on Monday, Wednesday with the Falcons podcast. I'll continue to be here. I'll be back here on Wednesday as well. Uh, That will not change. John Harrell says, good morning, Scott and the Falcons family. Good morning, John. Appreciate you being here. And Alan says, good morning, everyone. Nice sunshiny morning in South Georgia. Everything down here is wet. Yeah, it's going to be a muggy, muggy day. Can't wait to go cut the grass today. I didn't cut it yesterday because I didn't feel like dodging the thunderstorms. So it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a little 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 muggy, little muggy out there today. I'll get that done this afternoon. Sent the kids off to school this morning, first day of school. Um, it still seems tough to go back this early, but shoot, they get out in the 20s of May. Um, and then they hardly do any five-day weeks anymore. 
they may not have back-to-back five-day weeks, but twice all school year long. So they get a lot more breaks during the year. I think I'd rather do that. Besides, I always said, I'd just soon get out earlier and go back in August because it's too damn hot to be outside in August in the South anyway. Might as well get some nice public school air conditioning while you're back there. Uh, Zach Powers says, good morning. Good morning to you as well. And you know what? That's a pretty good time. He's, he's got the coffee emoji up there. Mine was too hot, so hopefully it's cooled down just a little bit. Some Lion Coffee from uh, Patrick Wiltsey, one of our caffeine uh, caffeine sponsors. Michael Lewitsky has been good enough to send us some coffee from Puerto Rico as well. And that's too strong. I know how to cool it off. I'm going to put a little more water into it. Uh, Roger Cook coming in from across the pond. He says, afternoon, everyone. He's coming in from a, an afternoon time slot for sure. Bobby Carter. Uh, good morning, Bobby. He says, good morning, Falcons. One Nation Underground says, how's Ritter looking? We'll get into that for sure. That's something else we will definitely talk about. Uh, and welcome in. That feels like a newer name um, coming in. I feel like I'd recognize that tiger. Uh, uh, I can never remember. I always want to call it an avatar um, that you've got there because, you know, uh, tiger's my favorite animal. I went to Auburn. I should be able to remember the tiger. Bubba Gump, welcome in. He's got the red and the black going. Out of your Falcon Mind podcast coming. He says, happy Monday, Scott. We made it. It is Falcon football this week. Yes, it is. Uh, looking forward to, and that, that could be one of the things we'll finish the show with. So keep that in mind. What are you most looking forward to? Remind me, because that's uh, that's one of the things I want to talk about. Uh, Harry Marshall Wood coming in, says, good morning on Facebook. Breaking the ice on Facebook. Greg Elrod, good morning, Scott. Good way to start the week. It is. Uh, they're playing Miami Friday, actually. Okay, I, it is Friday. You are absolutely right, 10 Cam. I was looking at Colts this morning. They are playing on Saturday. Mixed them up. They do play Friday. Thank you for that. I was like, it seems like a little early to go down for just two joint practices. So uh, thank you. It's even earlier. We get to watch them on Friday. Um, let me see here. Oh, and One Nation Underground, he came in. He says, Bengals, Bearcats, Ritter fan and subscriber to this channel. Well, thank you. We try and offer a little bit for everything. Most of our live stuff revolves around the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, you've seen my, hopefully you've seen some of the Senior Bowl stuff I do and, and that type of stuff as well. Chris Walker coming in says, good morning, Scott, and everybody What and everybody else. So excited that football is almost back. Um, and Dave McAllister says, a Princeton Tiger. Uh, Dave is a friend of mine who has a son up at Princeton, and he gave me a good scattering report on uh, on Andre, the Princeton track guy who came down. And Dave is a former quarterback at Ohio State. So when he talks, I listen. I listen. So welcome in, Dave. Appreciate you being here. Uh, first thing I wanted to lead off was Jeff Okuda. It was a little bit scary last week when he went down, and um, he's battled some injury problems through the past, including a 2021 Achilles tear. I didn't realize, didn't follow Jeff Okuda in 2021, um, didn't realize or remember at least that that's what he went down from. I was like, well, and he had a pretty good 2022 if he was even decent coming back from a torn Achilles tendon. That is a tough one uh, to come back from. That's as bad as an ACL or, or something along those lines, it's a, at least a year. So when they're saying now ankle, non-ligament, back for the beginning of the season, that's all we're going to say, or at least, you know, not the first game, but at least early on in the season, that says to me one of two things, and the diagnosis is usually the same, either a broken ankle or a high ankle sprain. And frankly, as long as there's no ligament damage, the recovery on both of those is almost identical four to six weeks. So uh, we are four weeks out from four and change, four weeks out from game one of the season. 
They said he could be back early in the season. My tune, this is just me hearing things and going through injuries myself and being around the sport a long time is high ankle sprain or broken ankle recovery on that is typically four to six weeks, but it's usually a pretty clean recovery. It's not, you know, a lot of extra work that has to be in where it can linger for a long time. I would rather have, sometimes a high ankle sprain can be worse, but I would rather have a, a broken ankle than, than a really bad hamstring pull that could linger for the rest of the year. And you're always worried about it. These things heal. Uh, they're saying they expect Jeffrey Akuda to be back. So there shouldn't be too many knock on wood complications with that. If that's what it is, but that's what my ear hears when I, when I hear them say uh, beginning of the season, ankle, high ankle sprain, broken ankle, four to six weeks recovery time on both of those. So hopefully those are no surgery involved and hopefully he does well because I think we're all, I mean, obviously we all have our favorite players and whatnot, but we're all rooting for Atlanta Falcons. But the Jeff Akuda is someone we really want to see kind of root for the underdog. And he was a number three overall pick. How big of an underdog is he? But he's come down here. Fifth round pick. I think they're picking up half his salary in Detroit that he needs a redemption tale of sorts. And where better than to come do this here and then go get an eight-figure contract. And when I say eight figures, I mean eight figures, because even if it was a one-year deal, a legit number two, possibly number one somewhere else, uh, is worth $10 million in a year. So hopefully he can come out and he makes the Falcons pay, decide, oh goodness, how are we going to be able to afford him? I'd love for him to play like that this year. And it sounds like it's still a possibility. Um, Harry Marshall Wood said, knocking on myself. Yes, Wood. Um, knocking on the forehead. Uh, let me see here. D'Angelo Jones, been active on uh, the Facebook comments page. And I've seen yours, D'Angelo, so I've gotten a chance to come in and respond for some. Obviously, I run the Atlanta Falcons page. I run the Scott Kennedy Sports. Sometimes I respond back with one or the other. Hopefully, you know who it is that way who you're talking to and you you've got an idea of who's actually responding but D'Angelo says let's go Falcons is it too much to ask I say Ritter should throw for 3,500 yards and 20 touchdowns and that Falcons first round draft pick should have more yards than Algier I don't think that's too much to ask at all D'Angelo I agree with you 100 percent um 3,500 yards and 20 touchdowns that's just a shade over 200 yards per game 205, maybe 17 times five is 85. So 207, call it 207 yards per game. That's not, that's not too much to ask. I don't believe that at all. Uh, 20 touchdowns in 17 games is just a shade over one touchdown per game. No, that's not too much to ask from your starting quarterback either. Um, now, if the they're running the ball at will and they run for you know all these yards, and of, of course the, the caveat here obviously is always the same. If you stay healthy, I I, I always want to say that. I never want to say that because it should be understood. But yes, you got to play all these games for that to happen. You got to stay healthy, which isn't a given. Um, but no, two hundred yards per game and a little over a touchdown per game is not too much to ask from Desmond Ritter and this quarterback. I think we should expect that from Desmond Ritter. Uh, Falcons first round draft pick, Bijan Robinson should have more yards than Algier. I agree with that too. If you don't, why did you take him with the number eight pick? Um, we've talked about this a lot and the cost benefit 
of a first round draft pick kind of goes out the window if you take a running back in the first round. The long term, the longevity of having a first round draft pick for 10, 12 years, the possibility of doing that and having a Jake Matthews, a Matt Ryan, uh, a Chris Lindstrom, what you're looking for. When you sign AJ Terrell to his next contract, a Julio Jones, that kind of goes out the window too with a running back. Um, I looked it up yesterday and there were two running backs in the top 25 that were 28 years old. It was Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones from the Packers. Every single other running back in the NFL in the top 25 was 27 or younger. So you lose that longevity of, I can get a franchise type player at this position. That said, so, so that the point, point on that, D'Angelo, is you, you need to get an early return from your from your running back. You need to get an early return. Oh, well, if you split carries, you could probably carry out his 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 you know his career longer. Yeah, maybe. But when you take they they called Kyle Pitts a win now draft pick, which just drove me nuts because if the Falcons were so far away from winning now, it was ridiculous. Bijan Robinson is a win now draft pick. That's a guy that we say we want to go from seven wins and we see ourselves as playoff contenders this year. Uh, and he's going to help us get there. I, I agree with that. I think the Falcons are a playoff contender this year, and I think Bijan Robinson should be the leading yards from scrimmage guy on this team. That doesn't mean Tyler Algier won't have a big role to play. I think Tyler Algier can still go over a thousand yards from scrimmage uh, and be a wonderful one-two punch. Punch with the Joker, the X Factor being Cordell Patterson, the Slash Man coming in getting five to six carries out of the backfield, getting five to six touches as a wide receiver, maybe a kick returner every now and then, and just getting him 10 to 12 touches per game as well. And you've got some serious weaponry out of the backfield. So I think that's a great comment, D'Angelo. I agree with you 100% on both of those points. Uh, Ryan Adonis comes in. He says, I think the Falcons have plenty of guys to play the number two cornerback, Scott. Watch out for Trey Flowers, too. I think he could play the number two. And Mike Hughes... And you've got some versatility there with Clark Phillips, who has done nothing but make plays uh, as a as a fourth round pick, I believe, fourth round pick out of Utah, Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12. What's the Pac-12, Dad? Oh, it's this it's this uh, conference that out west that nobody really paid attention to, other than Oregon and USC, and they kind of dissolved and went other places. Uh, that's another story somewhere else. Um, but yes, there are options here. There are depth. And Ryan, this is one of those players we we talked about earlier when we're looking at battles in the uh, roster battles. We kind of pencil in Jeff Akuda, but I, I pencil him in. And I don't write him in Sharpie like I do AJ Terrell and I write in uh, Jesse Bates. Those guys are in Sharpie when I'm writing out my team sheet. Richie Grant and, and Jeff Akuda were in pencil. They're it's theirs right now, pre-injury, but they've got to earn. They've got to earn it and hold on and fight off some guys that are coming after them. Isn't it nice to have some depth? Not oh yeah, we picked up Cornell Armstrong off of the waiver wire in week seven, and he's starting this week. Um, the guy we drafted, <laughs> y'all remember uh, Avery Williams starting in the slot as a rookie as a, as a nickel corner. He got a start. And he was covering CeeDee Lamb against the Dallas Cowboys in 2021. In 2022, he was moved to running back. That's the type of defense of personnel that Dean Peace was working with his two years. No offense to Avery Williams, but he wasn't drafted to be a corner. He wasn't 
an All-American as a corner. He was a return man, and he did a really good job and was a big enough liability as a corner. And he moved to running back. Right, let's get the ball in this guy's hands instead of asking him to cover C.D. Lamb out there. So it, the, the, the personnel, we just whipped off three names off the top of my head. Mike Hughes, Clark Phillips, and Trey Flowers, um, as, as Ryan said. So there's depth there for a change, which is which is nice to have. Cortez Shannon says, good morning, Scott. Good morning to you as well. Um, I feel like I skipped a couple people. I want to say hello to uh, to Raymond Collins. Good morning. And Brad Clark, good morning to you as well. And 100 Realists. So thank you for coming in. Um, and Brandon Swank has a question here. He says, what do you think Matt Schaub getting a, a job at the Falcons and helping Ritter and some of the rookies? What do I think of that? Um, okay. You know, I'm not... I'm not overly concerned with coachings. Once I get really get below the coordinator positions, your head coach and your coordinators, I feel good about. If I feel good about them, then I feel good about the coaching staff. After that, there's some unheralded guys that become that can become rising stars. Take a look at that 2016 Falcons coaching staff, and there's like five head coaches on it. So yes, it's important, but I, I don't know enough about Schaub as a, he's, you know, he's a terrific backup for a long time. He's learned a lot, but I don't know how that's going to translate to what he can do for, for Desmond Ritter and other, whatever else he's going to do on offense. So for Brandon, for me, it's just kind of a, a wait and see type of thing. Um, here's uh, God hand presents with a nice optimistic question this morning. If the Falcons win the Super Bowl this year, would Cordero Patterson be in consideration for the greatest Falcon of all time? No. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> I can answer that one quickly. Um, I mean, let's say he was even MVP of the season. Would he be in contention for greatest Falcon of all time? No. He, he wouldn't have the longevity for that. And even from a talent perspective, so when you when you talk about like all all time all Falcons teams, there's there's two ways you can think of it. You can think of it as who's the best player to ever suit him up for the for the Falcons. Um, that argument comes down to me between Deion Sanders and Julio Jones. Deion Sanders is not in contention for me for greatest Falcon of all time because I think that means more than who was the greatest player, who was the best, most talented player on the field. It comes down to longevity. What did you mean to this franchise? That type of thing. And in, in my era, my vote still goes to, you know, Jesse Tuggle. You know, he was a longtime Atlanta Falcon. He's he's my greatest Falcon of all time. My favorite uh, Falcon. This the, the, the hard times that he had to go through and seeing him get to 1998 and having that 14 and two season and getting the recognition he deserved with multiple Pro Bowls and, being an undrafted guy and what he had meant to this team, um, he he's on my list. And this group of players, Grady Jarrett, is on my list. Um, Chris Lindstrom could end up on the list, but it's, it's going to be guys. Jake Matthews is quietly, he's got the longest active starting streak in the NFL. Jake Matthews is going to be on some all-time Falcon list because of the longevity in, in his production. So no... Cordero Patterson is one of my favorite Falcons to ever watch play, but no, not, not on that. And that, that just gave me a chance to name drop some guys that are, who are some of my favorite Falcons, Falcons of all time. Keith and Ellen Johnson staying excited about this group. I feel this is the first year that we're free from the old regime and, uh, Mr. Miss Johnson. I I've been pointing to 2023 since I learned how to read salary caps. 
Uh, it was just plainly obvious that the Falcons could not really compete in 2021 and 2022 based on the dead money that was going to be out there. And uh, in the notes on ESPN Plus today, the um, I think it was it was Fowler that had them. Let me see. Um, it was Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler on ESPN Plus, and they did a great job with this. But he did a great job of writing this. This is why he's a writer and I'm not. Uh, he says, around $90 million in dead money is buried somewhere in the IBM performance field, replaced by optimism and fiscal breathing room. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. 80-something million in dead money. And, you know, I, I've seen the, 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 the Falcons still have $18 million in dead money. <sighs> kind of. Kind of. So what they did last year with Deion Jones was they freed up cap space at the end of the year by getting rid of him. But that increased the dead number that they had this year. However, they were able to carry over that increase to the salary cap this year. So let's say if you cut Deion Jones and he had a $10 million dead cap money in dead cap, but if you had waited and cut him this year, it would have been five. Well, why didn't you just leave him and then take the five money? Because they got five million back last year. So instead of a $200 million salary cap, they went to $205 million. So it, it it evened itself out. So that $18 million in dead cap money isn't quite what it seems because you got some money back from Deion Jones's contract last year that you could carry over to this year. So yeah, your dead cap number went up, but so did your salary cap. It evened itself out. So it's more like $12 million, $13 million in dead cap money. And compared to the $84 million it was last year, that's chump change. That's why, you know, I, I think Marcus Mariota had a ten a $2 million dead cap number. It was always a one-year deal. You're, you can get rid of Matt Ryan for, a, and you take a $45, $46 million dead cap hit. You think Marcus Mariota is going to be safe on two? Hell no. Hell no. Um, and Bubba agrees. He says the DB situation was rough the last two years. I, how many times have you heard me say that the, the name Fabian Moreau over the last couple of seasons? Uh, I mean, you're running out there with Fabian Moreau as a starting corner and Avery Williams as a starting nickel back in 2021. And people wanted to get on Dean Peace with Stephen Means at edge. Uh, and and, and you, you're really going to judge Dean Peace on those results? Come on, guys. Let's be at least a little bit fair. Uh, Eric Parker says hi. Hello, Eric. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, and D'Angelo says again, what about helping the pass rushers get to the quarterback, please? Yeah. Uh, one of the notes that came out, and we're kind of hitting back and forth on some of these things, but one of the notes that came from um, the, those ESPN notes was the positive reviews on Caden Ellis. Now, y'all have heard me say before, and if you're if you're new, welcome. Hit that subscribe button and and uh, to either the, the the Facebook page where you're watching or the YouTube channel, so you can come back again and get those alerts. Um, you've you've heard me say before that there's still not that alpha pass rush guy out there, that there might not be a guy that gets 15 sacks from this team. However, there could be six guys that get six or seven sacks. And wouldn't 36 to 40 sacks sound a lot better than the 18 to 20 that the Falcons have put up the last couple of years? I mean, almost doubling that, those numbers. Yeah, that'd be nice. You bring in uh, David Onyemana, who had five or six last year. You had Caden Ellis, who had uh, seven last year in 11 games. You bring in Bud Dupree, who had a very good win rate last year. I improved the secondary 
So I might have a, an extra half step in order for some of those Arnold Ebichetti pressures to become sacks. Yes, I expect the pass rush to get better. That said, I still think the number one missing piece on this team is that alpha edge, is that dominating pass rush. They're not easy to come by. How many of the Falcons had in, in, in their franchise history? Jonathan Abraham and half a season of Vic Beasley, maybe. You know, 2016, he had a pretty good year. Man, uh, that 1998 team had four guys up front that could get to the quarterback, and that's what made that defense one of the big reasons that defense was so good. But yeah, this team still needs, it just hasn't worked out in free agency or the draft slot based on where you are picking and who was available. It just hasn't worked out to draft that big time edge. Yes, Micah Parsons was there. Nobody knew who Micah Parsons was going to be that good. He was still considered an inside linebacker of sorts. If they did, he never would have made it where he went. I think he went around 11, possibly. He wouldn't have made it that far. He would have been a top three or four pick uh, if if uh, Micah Par- if anybody had any idea. If they knew exactly what they were getting, he might have gone number two behind Trevor Lawrence in that draft. So it just it just really hasn't worked out. The guy that they would have gone after this year, I believe, to keep an eye on to say, yeah, that might have been the guy you should have taken was Lucas Van Ness. So keep an eye on him in Green Bay. I think he was only the really only other edge guy that was uh, under consideration. Tyreek Wilson was already gone. Uh, Will Anderson was already gone. Uh, and then you ended up getting, oh, darn, you know, arguably the best player in the draft and B. John Robinson, which I thought was a, a very logical pick, if not one that says, this is what analytics say you could do. You know, sometimes you got to go with a football move and not a, a pencil pushing geek move, you know, like me. All right. Let me see. We've got some, uh, we've got some opinions in here. As soon as I, I said that, um, this one was just kind of, 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 of joking a little bit as the CP is the greatest Falcon of all time. You got all the internet. Hey, listen, he could be your favorite player. He's one of my favorite players to ever suit up for the Atlanta Falcons. That's for sure. And, and Brad Clark votes for Dion as the greatest of all time. Like I said, I think he's the best player to ever play for the Atlanta Falcons. But he's if I'm putting up my Mount Rushmore of Atlanta Falcons, I'm not putting up a guy that was here for four years and really made his name even bigger winning Super Bowls with the 49ers and Cowboys. Sorry, that's, that's just me. Um, let me see here. Uh, Eric Parker asked, do you think we finally get respect from the league with our current roster? No, I do not. And that is a great question. Um, because the roster has been in place for the most part of the last, where are we now, August? It's been in place since the draft, so May, June, July. The roster itself has pretty much been in place for the last three months. The Falcons are still in the bottom third of every, about the highest I've seen them is like 24, of every power ranking out there. Uh, the One of the coaches' rankings I saw from NFL.com or ESPN had Arthur Smith at 29 behind two guys that had never coached a down in the NFL. Um, so no, this roster isn't by itself going to get respect. Now, I know what you're, what you're saying here, though. Will this roster be enough to get the Falcons some respect? Yes, it, it, I think it will be. Um, there's still going to be a national narrative that goes against the Atlanta Falcons until they go and win a little bit more consistently or go win a playoff game. It, 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 let's, let's, let's read it back here. Mark it down in your calendars. August 7th, 930 in the morning, Scott Kennedy said, they said they were going to say this. 
if they get off to like a five and one start, you'll start hearing some talk about the Atlanta Falcons and you will hear just as much talk saying they have not played anybody yet. Look at their schedule. Of course, they, they're in the AF, they're in the NFC South. They're playing the AFC South. They're playing the Arizona Cardinals. Their, their roster, they're, uh, they're, they're doing a much better job, but they haven't played anybody. They're not, they're not for real. Just wait for that headline. Are the Atlanta Falcons for real? They haven't played anybody yet. It'll take a little bit of time, Eric. Do I think this roster is good enough to go to the playoffs, win 10, 11 games? Yes, I do. Yes, 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 I do. Um, let me see here. Uh, Greg Elrod asking, his 12 million drops after this year? Who are we talking about, Greg, on 12 million um, with salary caps? Apologies, I forgot. Not, I'd be happy to talk some uh, some salary cap on here. Um, <laughs> Ryan says, you have it bad when freaking Cornell Ar- Armstrong is a starting cornerback. I'd have to look back at the roster and look at who all started because there he wasn't alone. There were several guys like that that you're like, you know, who? Who's starting? You know, um, it, that was a rough, that was a rough year. <laughs> um, and it, I was really impressed with how much better they got in the trenches with basically the same guys. That's coaching, man. That's belief uh, from 2021 where you had Jalen Mayfield and Kayla McGarry were just terrible. And then they, they impose their will a little bit better uh, on offensive line. And then Taquan Graham got really good before he hurt. And they got Abdullah Anderson, which I think was a steal. Uh, played a played really good for the Falcons in 2022. Uh, Joe Cannon says, "Great morning, Scott. Good morning to you, Joe. Jasmine's here. Good morning, Jasmine. Appreciate you checking in here this morning. She's one of our Bronco crossover fans, but is in Atlanta, so she's uh she's all hot, muggy, and steamy weather down here as well with us. Just enjoying it here too. Uh, let me see here. Um, wanted to come down here." And see if we could hit some of the some of the questions in here. Well, let's check out Candler Price because it has been a while. Candler says, "Hi, Scott. It's been a while. Talk about having a household name at pass rusher. Oh, we were in a prime spot in this year's draft and choosing a running back. And yes, I like Robinson, but you had Van Ness, Nolan Smith, and Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter's interior, so I don't I don't consider him. And, and let's be let's be clear here. That's who I would have taken in this spot was Jalen Carter, unless someone handed me a packet." on their from their private investigator that said you don't want this guy on your team period which that would surprise me a bit um you know if the eagles are able to take him the very next pick i would have probably taken jalen carter for longevity for um you know we talk about the the cost benefit of a first round draft pick a cost controlled rookie contract if he's really good he'll make 20 if Bijan robinson's really good he may make 10 in his second contract you know it's it, you, you're We've got a couple cheat codes right now with uh, Desmond Ritter on a rookie deal as a third-round pick, and then Kyle Pitts and Drake London still on their rookie contracts. If they become what you're hoping they become, they're going to be $20 million players, and Ritter will double that here in the next uh, two, three years. Van Ness was the one that was still in range, taken in that range. Nolan Smith fell so far back that I don't think he was really under consideration, Candler. So we'll see. I I, I don't want to. I don't like using hindsight grades on a guy like Nolan Smith. Like I said, with Micah Parsons, would have in hindsight, that's that's who you take. You take Micah Parsons. Come on, that's a hindsight grade. Lucas Van Ness was someone we were talking about making sense in that spot. Nolan maybe, but he fell so far that I think the media talk on him was a little bit higher than what 
the NFL proved to feel about him. And Jalen Carter, for me, wasn't an edge. He was an interior guy uh, on that pass rush. Um, but that was uh, – and, and yes, even if B. John Robinson wasn't some of our favorite picks who we would have taken in that spot – it's still real, real easy to be excited about what Bijan Robinson is going to bring to this team. The guy's a playmaker. He's going to be a difference maker for this team. Um, wanted to talk about real quick about some of uh, some of the guys that that are no longer with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, one of those guys was, uh, and I, I titled it as uh, a little bit of a surprise, and that was Felipe Franks. Uh, Felipe Franks was cut last week, and that surprised me a little bit because. Not that he was cut, but when he was cut. I expected him to at least make it to the 53-man roster cutdowns, and he was still cut when they're at 90. So that one surprised me a little bit. Um, but it wasn't surprised me that he was cut because uh, if my friend Jay Gribben is in here, he's got a soft spot for, for Felipe Franks, and he's asked about him before. And I said last year he wasn't playing much, and when I saw him go in, he totally screwed up, and when it immediately went out, I'm like, this dude's done. Uh that said, it won't surprise me to see him in a Falcons helmet again, at least on the practice squad. They've got a soft spot for this guy. Uh, bring him back in the practice squad. I don't think there will be a whole lot of competition for his signature. Uh, he's here, familiar. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being part of the 16-man practice squad after the 53-man cut down. So we'll, we'll see on that. Um, they had an edge from Rice that was cut. Um, I'm going to try not to butcher his name too bad. Uh, Ikena. And a Chukwu, Chukwu um, from Rice. And then Chris Blair, a wide receiver who was brought in for competition for the punt return and return uh, return game, may not have won that. And then uh, an under-the-radar guy that that went out, he was placed on IRO, was Ethan Greenidge. That one's a little more concerning. I think he was considered one of your top backups for the offensive line spot. And, and you need those guys. You need seven or eight offensive linemen that are going to play. So that one hurt a little bit. Uh, the guys they brought in, they immediately then signed four XFL guys. That was kind of interesting. Uh, Michael Manet, 6'4", 305. He was a three-year starter at center for Penn State. And he uh, he got a cup of coffee. Everybody drink. Cup of coffee. With the Green Bay Packers and Arizona Cardinals, but he did not appear in a game. Um, they brought in Matthew Gotell, a foot one, 340-pound defensive tackle. Uh, he played at West Florida. I didn't even know West Florida had a football team. Um, and then he spent a little bit of time with the Seattle Seahawks. He had 23 tackles for the, and I love this name, the San Antonio Brahmas in the XFL. And then an, another guy to watch who spent a little bit more time with the Colts, practice squad, et cetera, et cetera, was Kavion Patton, 6'2", 300-pound defensive lineman. Um, he had, he played four years at Texas state and had 180 tackles and he was an all XFL defensive lineman. That could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, Matthew Sexton was a, um, a wide receiver at Eastern Michigan and he had uh, 1300 yards and nine touchdowns in his four year career. And he, he has also spent some time with Kansas city chiefs and Pittsburgh Steelers. So a couple, just a couple of guys to, to keep an eye on there. Um, we are, and Craig says, when Franks was cut, there was much rejoicing. I think I said, if I never see Felipe Franks on the field under center again, it'll be too soon. Um, but an interesting and intriguing athlete, again, six foot six, 235 plus pounds and can run. You know, what What were, did the Falcons miss out on by having him on the roster? You know, so so be it. 
Uh, I wish him well. And like I said, it wouldn't totally uh, surprise me to see him, see him back in the practice squad as a special teams uh, type of, Oh, depth piece possibly. Um, but no, he, he didn't really latch on to the tight end spot either. Um, let me see. Ryan says, ranks can go ahead and stay off the team. He has incredible size and some athleticism, but that's about it. Yeah, it didn't translate to the tight end position. Um, shoot, I've, I've, there's a couple of guys that I've said that were just uber athletes but really lack the instincts. And I said, you know, put Taylor Mays was one of those guys. Boss Bailey was one of the other ones. Um, a lot of y'all remember, remember Boss Bailey. He was actually a better athlete than Champ if that's possible, but they are brothers. It is possible because he was just as quick, had the same type of vertical leap, if not just a bit more, he was touching 50 inches on his vertical working out here close to here. in PG. I think he, I think they got him at 48, uh, sub four, four is 40, but he didn't have anywhere near the instincts that champ did, uh, at corner. I'm like, well, put him at edge. Taylor Mays was the same way. Six, three, 225, 230 pounds safety. No instincts at all but so fast, so athletic and put him, put him in ed, make him a designated pass rusher. If he can get a sack every game and finish with 17 sacks, he'll be putting them in all pro games. And that's all he's got to do. You know what? I don't know. Felipe Frank, six, six, 240 pounds and can move a little bit. If you've got to have him on the team block punts, something, I don't know. So Ryan, I'm with you. It wouldn't surprise me if he's back on the practice squad, but his contributions or lack thereof are, are, are not going to be missed, but I, I wish him well. He's he's worked hard uh, to, to stay on the roster and and try and uh, worked hard to try on the roster and, and earn a living. So wish him well. Um, Harry Marshall Wood says Lucas Van Ness could be a is a viable starter and Bijan could be an all pro. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you, you need more than a than a viable starter for you know L Lorenzo Carter is a viable starter. He's okay. He's, he's fine. He's not a plus starter. He's okay. Lorenzo Carter. So if, if Lucas Van Ness doesn't become more than what Lorenzo Carter is, then Lucas Van Ness did not hit his, his value as a first round draft pick. So that that's how I would look at that one, Harry. Um, we are going to get out of here pretty quickly. Uh, I guess the one last thing I wanted to, uh, I say we as in, you know, all of us, you, you don't have to, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, Matt Ryan, it was good to see Matt Ryan back at uh, Falcons training camp. I was afraid that there was a little bad blood after last year. You know, he did ask for a trade after they, they kind of botched that whole Deshaun Watson thing. And part of me also thinks that that was so Arthur blank driven that there really wasn't any animosity between Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, and Matt Ryan. And the other part of that is these seem to be genuinely good people, all four of the people I just mentioned. Arthur Blank is a good owner, a good person. Even if you do something that you disagree with, I can see them making men. So it was good to see it was good to see Matt Ryan back at camp, bringing his sons there. Um, and, you know, I think all of us, no matter what we thought of him as a quarterback, you know, there's – you stay long enough in one spot and don't win at all. There's going to be some questions and all that stuff. I think we're all pretty happy with how he represented the Atlanta Falcons and conducted himself while he was an Atlanta Falcon and wish him well beyond Atlanta. Uh, on that note, let me see here. I'm going to hit Chris again real quick. He says, I want to see who steps up to be our wide receiver too. 
uh, in the notes section from, and I think I think uh, I agree with this based on what I've seen and read, but in the notes section from ESPN Plus from Jeremy Fowler and Graziano, it, it was Mac Hollins. Um, they thought he could be the third leading receiver with um, outside of the running backs. But the, the big question came in was who ends up being the guy for the Falcons this year? And they're saying from what we're hearing and what we're seeing, it's going to end up being London. London's going to be the guy that ends up with the lion's share of the targets and yards and will lead this team and receiver. Pitt's number two, obviously. But from a fantasy football perspective, keep an eye on Mac Hollins. He's having a good camp. Uh, one of the sleeper guys, talking about good play, um, players we like having around and have been on the team a couple years but are on that bubble, was Frank Darby. And good things to say about Frank Darby. Um, I think this wide receiver group is a little deeper than maybe we've given it credit for for the names because I've seen guys like Xavier Malone go in there and make good plays, and he's about WR10 right now getting some time. I've seen Scotty Miller. I've seen uh, Mac Hollins. Uh, we know what Drake London just looks like, a dude. He, he looks like the part, so not worried about him. He looks like a legit number one. So um, I think the depth of wide receiver and the depth of playmakers, again, this offense is in really good shape depending on how Ritter plays. It, the, the pieces around Desmond Ritter are good. They're really good. And if Ritter doesn't play well this year, it should be an easy sell to a free agent quarterback. So uh, if, if that's what it takes. And I don't, I don't know, most, free, most really good quarterbacks don't hit free agency is the problem with that, that type of strategy. Um, but on that note, I think we're going to get out of here. I uh, want to say thank you to everybody for coming in. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do. And leave me a comment after the fact. I'm all over the comment sections. I tr I usually hit YouTube a little bit better than I do uh, the other one just because YouTube makes it easier to see and respond to. But it's just youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. If you aren't watching, uh, if, if you're watching it on Facebook, and I know a lot of you are, uh, we've gotten a lot of new Facebook followers on Atlanta Falcons in the last month or so. We're probably up uh, 1,500 to 2,000. So if you're new here, welcome in. If you're watching for the first time, we're here every Monday at 9 a.m. We're here every Wednesday at 9 a.m. And every once in a while, we sneak in a bonus episode. So make, your, make sure you're subscribing and following. Appreciate that. We will be back on Monday at 9 a.m. to talk a little bit of joint practices and preview the game against the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I said game. It's Monday. We're back to school. It's game week. It's football in the air. It feels like fall unless you step outside. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll see you all on Wednesday.